everyone. Welcome back to Can You Put Me On Guest List. I absolutely loved this week's chat as it was with someone who I've known for a very long time now and who is really inspiring as he's helped change so many people's lives through music. Today, my guest is Valentino Barrioseta. Valentino is the founder of Bridges for Music, a nonprofit organization that gathers key players of the music industry to support its responsible development in developing countries, leaving a positive impact in disadvantaged communities and helping to raise global awareness about local issues through music. Some of the artists that have been involved in the project so far are Richie Horton, Luciano, Ed Sheeran, Skrillex, and many, many more. And the first Bridges for Music Academy has just recently opened in a township called Langa in South Africa, which you'll hear all about in this episode. I felt like the you know the global music industry should know about what was going on in the townships in South Africa and should really you know pay attention to it and connect with it. And that's where, you know, the whole idea of setting up Bridges for Music came about, came back to Ibiza, sat with Ben and with Rich and, you know, told them the idea of maybe, you know, organizing a tour in South Africa and not only doing a few events, but also doing some workshops in the townships with the aim of bridging the social gaps existing in South Africa, you know, between the white and the black communities and really trying to bring people together through music, you know, and really Mm. allowing them to connect with local talent and inspire them with their words, you know, not only with their music. We talk about when and why Valentino started Bridges for Music, the artists and brands involved in the project, the music scene in Langa, the annual bike ride to ADE to raise money for Bridges for Music, and much more. Remember, if you do enjoy this podcast, please remember to subscribe, share, comment. It really, really does help. Thank you for listening. This is Valentino Barrioseta on Can You Put Me on Guest List. Hi, Valentino. Hello. How are you, you, Katie? I'm fine. How are you? Great. Welcome to my home in Ibiza. (laughs) Yeah, amazing to be here. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Okay, I just wanted to start off by um, you telling us how you started out in the music industry and your journey up until where you are now. Okay, well, I think I'm getting older now. It seems like far <laughs> away. Everybody gets older. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I think I, my first big interaction with, I mean, obviously, apart from partying when I was at university and all that, you know, usual stuff. Yeah. I think my first big wow moment with music was at Love Parade in 2000 or 1999. Um, and I remember being at university and seeing these amazing videos at Viva Television, you know, of uh, Paul Van Dyke and some of the DJs playing at Love Parade. And I told all my, my flatmates, hey, we have to go there. We're going to hire a van and we're going to drive there in the summer and we're going to check it out ourselves. And so that that's what we did. And you know, just getting to see that massive movement of, you know, love and music in Berlin, it really blew me away and made me think I want to start in this. I want to do something in this business. And I want to, you know, build my life around around music. And, you know, some, like, a, I think a year later, I started a music blog in Spain um, about clubbing and music and, you know, like DJs. And what, that, what was the blog called? It was, uh, I mean, the equivalent in English would be something like burningthenight.com. Okay, com. yeah. And... You know, we had information about all festivals in Spain. I think it was kind of one of the first ones with clubbingspain.com. And that gave me a lot of contacts. I started, you know, getting to know a lot of people, build my network in Spain. And then at some point I thought, 
you know, it was about time to bring big DJs to Valencia, where I used to go to university, that had never played there, that I really loved, that I would wanted to ch share with my friends, and I partnered up with a good friend of mine, Javi, who who you also yeah. know, and we built a small kind of music consultancy agency called yeah. Night Planning, and you know the idea was to bring professionalism uh, to to the music industry and start working with clubs and in communication and marketing and all that. And then an amazing opportunity arise to start running Barraca, which is a legendary club in yeah. Spain. Um, you know, that was has been open for se over 70 years. And they used to have, back in the 80s, they had used to have New Order and Lou Reed and all wow. these big names. And it was compared with La Hacienda in Manchester. You know, it was a similar kind of music movement around that during, during La Ruta del Bacalao, you yeah. know. <laughs> um, and... You know, we, we thought, you know, the, the club was kind of dying down a little bit and we thought it could be revived and, and you know, kind of uh, re you know modernized and, you know, uh, could be an amazing venue to bring all these, you know, big artists. So we got an agreement with the owner and then we started running the club, um, you know, doing kind of the creative direction and, and the bookings and all of that. And, you know, we had four amazing years where, you know, pretty much every weekend we had, you know, from Richie Houghton to Sven Beth to Luciano oh. to all of these guys, you know, when when they were actually, some of them were starting, some of them were already, you know, big names. But we had um, a programming that was, you know, at the level of, you know, Fabric in London or Rex in Paris or any of the big clubs around the world. And, you know, we put a lot of love into it. We built an amazing team around it and we made it one of the best clubs in the world. And... After that, we started, well, in the process of that, we, we started a record label called Barraca Music, which had, you know, releases with Ricardo Villalobos and Luciano and all of these guys. And it also gained a lot of momentum, was, you know, beautiful. We started an artist agency. We started a magazine called La Milk in Spain. So all of that was, you know, really amazing. It was kind of, you know, making our dreams come true, having, you know, an office with all our friends there and a lot of different things running in parallel that we really loved. And then, unfortunately, the crisis hit Spain very badly in 2008. And we had to slowly start shutting down some of the businesses. The magazine wasn't really profitable. We didn't have the capital to, to, fro to face that. And we had some incidents at the club as well, you know, with police controls and, you know, some other issues, you know, that really made... We, we were the club was outside of Valencia, so it was a little bit difficult to get there. So we we kind of saw you know um, people you know stopping coming to the club. It was a little bit you know a mix of reasons, but mainly the economical crisis. And you know at some point we I I got a, an offer from Amnesia to to come and help Martin run the club and run first the marketing side and and the brand side. So I, I said, yeah, why not? You know, I, I always wanted to live in Ibiza for a season or, you know, like a chapter in my life. And, you know, I knew that I didn't want to stay in Valencia for, for long. And so we, you know, kind of split ways. Uh, Javi stayed for a, for a little bit longer working at the club. And then he moved on as well into, into other adventures. And yeah, and then I moved to Ibiza and started working at Amnesia and, you know, that was like th three amazing years. I, I really loved it. I had, you know, I made an amazing network. I uh, had a great relationship with Marty and with uh, a lot of other uh, people that still are my friends today. And yeah, after after a while, I guess like a lot of people, you know, you feel a little bit um, maybe burned out from the Ibiza scene and mm -hmm. a little bit empty. Um, you know, it was um, a very hectic 
you know, three years uh, where we did amazing things, you know, that I'm, I'm really proud of. I mean, I brought MTV into, into the club again um, to do a series of live concerts with 50 Cent and Snoop Dogg and Primal yeah, Scream, yeah. which was really, really good. You know, we were trying to bring back to Ibiza live music and obviously doing it with a partner like MTV that could amplify that worldwide. You know, it was all filmed, obviously, and, and broadcasted. Um, you know, we brought amazing sponsors and partners to, to the table and, you know, we launched Amnesia Magazine, which, you know, I think was a, a great success. And, um, yeah, we did, you know, some really good things um, you know, definitely great work experiences. And obviously, as you know, working in Ibiza is a different ball game altogether. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, and I think uh, after three years, I felt a little bit, you know, as I said, a little bit burned out and I kind of decided to take a sabbatical year and which I, I didn't end up being a year because I found something <laughs> to do <laughs> before yeah. the before the year ended. But I started traveling around the world and you know trying to find a way to put my time and my energy into something that could leave a legacy or that could you know make an impact in 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 other people's lives and you know where I could be using music and my knowledge to to do something you know bigger than myself and that has some purpose to it. And I think you know like one of the you know, one of the things that we often forget in Ibiza is the real power of music, mm -hmm. right? And I felt a little bit detached of, you know, why I started working in this industry because when you're working here, it's, you know, it can become an office job or it can become like, a, like an, any other business really where you're running from, you know, A to B and you're not really finding any flow enjoying music a, a anymore, you know? So when I started traveling, I went to Brazil and I went into one of the favelas in Rio de Janeiro, uh, Rosinha, which I really highly recommend to visit. And there was this tour guide that brought me into the favela that was running a DJ school. And he was telling me how much he was saving money to buy a new mixer. And, you know, he was doing such a great job. I saw the kids that are so driven and motivated, you know, through music. And I thought, what a, what a shame, you know, that this guy that is doing such a good work for his community is struggling to buy a new mixer. Meanwhile, you know, at Amnesia or any club in Ibiza, we get, you know, free equipment from, from all the brands because they want to showcase it, right? So that made me realize, you know, that sometimes the problem is that these amazing community leaders don't have the connections with the industry, you know, and that's where the name Bridges for Music came about. And um, so I arranged some, some equipment. I called, you know, my friends at Pioneer DJ and said, hey, this is this guy, you know, he's doing an amazing job here in, in Rio and you know, would you mind sending him some equipment? And obviously they, they did it, you know, very, very happily. And, and the guy was blown away, obviously. Imagine, you know, this guy in, wow, in, in the favela and real, like getting getting this equipment. And he was like, oh my God, you know, it's amazing. And, you know, when you think about it, it's the least that this company should be doing, right? I mean, it doesn't cost them that much. And it's a great story. And, you know, the guy is just, you know, doing amazing things. So that was the beginning of it. And kind of, it didn't, you know, it, it didn't really solidify in my mind as, as you know, what it, you know, ended up being, but then I went to South Africa, also kind of on holidays and just exploring, and I landed in a community called Langa a Township outside of Cape Town, and again, I was really blown away by the music culture, by, you know, seeing young kids, you know, listening to house music. Um, I met Black Coffee back then, who, you know, back then he was already, you know, big in, in South Africa, but not so known internationally, and and it was very funny, you know, because it was really surprising to see how even like 10 year old kids, you know, were jumping on him and were really like really looking up to him, you know, which is I don't think it's something that happens necessarily in Europe. Yeah. Right. You don't see like 10, 12 year old kids looking up to Richie Houghton. No. Know? Yeah, of course. That starts maybe when you yeah. are 18 or 20 or whatever yeah. and you start going to festivals. 
so that was really really interesting to witness and and you know that that and discovering the local scene you know made me think that surely any of these artists that i had made you know friendship with would love to explore that as well and would be as inspired as i was and i felt like the you know the global music industry should know about what was going on in the townships in south africa and should really you know pay attention to it and connect with it and that's where you know the whole idea of setting up bridges for music came about came back to ibiza sat with ben and with rich and you know told them the idea of maybe you know organizing a tour in south africa and not only doing a few events but also doing some workshops in the townships with the aim of bridging the social gaps existing in south africa you know between the white and the black communities and really trying to bring people together through music you know and really mm. allowing them to connect with local talent and inspire them with their words you know not only with their music so we did that um you know we we founded bridges for music with the help of other board members in what year was this sorry that was founded? that was 2012. 2012 yeah 2012 and you know we we founded the organization with the help of you know other people in the music industry um and yeah and then we organized the first tours with rich first then we had luciano then we had tale of us loco dice and um, they toured south africa yeah so we basically organized the tour you know sometimes we partner with local promoters and you know we find shows together or we co-promote the shows um with the aim of raising funds um then the funds that we raised we reinvested into scholarships for underprivileged artists from these communities so we had in the past well, almost 20 artists that we have sponsored to play in big festivals around the world you know like tomorrowland and glastonbury and ade and and then we also have a scholarship program where we support artists from these communities to study sound engineering courses and music production and different variety of of courses at sae in cape town mm -hmm. uh, which is a big creative media school and um yeah, we, we kept doing that, you know, and really trying to harness the power that all these big artists have to bring positive change to these communities and a lot of inspiration. Um, you know, it was very funny, actually, with, for example, with Luciano, you know, I remember one moment where, you know, he was planning to come down and he wanted to obviously play for free and, you know, do his shows in the, in the townships. And we were getting some, you know, serious offers from local promoters to do, like, commercial shows. And we obviously had to tell Luci, you know, that hey, you know, like we uh, we have this offer. Do you want to take any of these offers to play a commercial gig? And, and you know, he said, no, no, I want I want to play in the townships. I would play for free, but I play in the townships, and whoever wants to come and see me has to come into these communities. You know, that's the whole point. Wow, yeah. So that's what we did. You know, we did one show in in Langa in Cape Town, and one in Soweto in in Johannesburg, with other artists that are now actually making waves globally, like Temba and. Oh. Yeah, and some other guys, and yeah, it was really, really inspiring, you know. Um, there are many uh, anecdotes that, you know, have been really inspiring, really amazing. You know, the first show that we did with Richie Houghton, for example, in Soweto with Black Coffee and a lot of these guys as well. And I remember when Rich was about to play right after Black Coffee, and you can imagine in these communities, Black Coffee is pretty known. I mean, yeah. he's a, he's a yeah. hero, right? And and Richie Houghton is not necessarily that known in this among black people in South Africa, right? It's a completely different market. And, you know, I remember he was telling me before he showed that, you know, he felt, you know, quite nervous, you know, he felt like the first, the first time he was playing in Detroit, you know, when he was a young boy from Canada, you know, just crossing the board and, and playing in front of, you know, Jeff Miles and Juan Atkins and all yeah. the godfathers of, of techno, you know, and, and they were looking at him like this white kid that is coming <laughs> over to play techno. And he's like, I'm feeling kind of the same, you know, like, I'm like, I don't, I don't really know what to play, you know, I mean, and he ended up playing amazing and, you know, it was, it's, it's incredible to see, you know, 
a few of the white people that had come from town you know and the local people in the community you know really dancing together and mixing. you know and mixing yeah. and you know that's what music is about right what has been some of their reactions like for some of these uh, these artists that have come to the townships for the first times like like Richie or Luciano what mm. how did they react when they when they got to the, to the township to Langa for example yeah i think i always say i think they get as much as they give yeah you know they they live very inspired um there's a lot of things to learn from South African music, from South African culture. And I think it's very inspiring for them to get out of their comfort zone and discover something they never imagined. And I think they all, you know, pretty always, always from a place of respect and, you know, super humble. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they're really inspired. They always leave, you know, I mean, I remember Rich uh, saying at a conference we did in Son at Sonar, a panel that we did at Sonar about the, the organization, saying it was one of the proudest moments in his career. And yeah, I think has been the uh, it's been it's been like that for most of them. Yeah. Yeah. Most of the artists that have been have been um, like from the dance music or electronic music scene. Mm. But you did have Ed Sheeran the mm. other day do. Um, yeah. How was that? <laughs> that I mean, that was incredible. It was incredible. I, mean, I can imagine. You can imagine the, I mean, obviously the, the size of the artist, you know, is not comparable with any DJ, right? Yeah. Like, it's probably <laughs> one of the biggest pop stars in the world. And the funny thing is actually he came to play, like to do the workshop, sorry, um, literally four hours before he went on, on stage at, oh, at, his, wow. at his sold out stadium show in Cape Town, 50,000 people, right? And he's the first artist in the history of South Africa that has sold out two stadium shows in a row, two days in a row. You know, like 50,000 people That's twice. That's crazy. Incredible. You know, like not even, you know, Justin Bieber, Lady Gaga. No one has done it before. Um, so that gives you a, an idea of the size of him. You know, but he's such a humble and, you know, respectful and inspiring guy as, as well. He's super sharp. You know, he was there, super chilled, you know. And I was like, Jesus, I was <laughs> speaking with the manager. And it's like, isn't he nervous? Like, he needs to go on stage. Like, I would be freaking out in my hotel room, you know. <laughs> and the guy is here, you know, engaging with everyone, chilling, super, you know, approachable. And he was really, really inspiring, you know, in his talk as well. Like, you realize why these guys are where they are, you know. It's, yeah. not a, it's not a coincidence, you know. And when you see him perform live, you know, and how he entertains a whole stadium for two hours just with, with his guitar. Yeah. I mean, think about it. He doesn't have dancers. He doesn't have fireworks. So he doesn't have him, anything. just him, basically. Just him. He doesn't even have a band. Wow, it's incredible. It's him with a loop pedal. Yes, wow. performing, building all the tracks by himself for two hours. It's, in it's insane. I mean, yeah. yeah. It's How do these collaborations come about with these artists? Do they in contact you or do you contact them? Or mm. how does it how does it work? Um, you know, it depends on, on the artist. Like, for example, with... All the first artists that came on tour came from my personal friendship with them and my yeah. relationship with them or their managers. Um, in the case of Rich and, you know, Skrillex and Luciano, some of our board members connect us sometimes. You know, in the case of Skrillex, for example, came thanks to, to a connection from Ben. Um, and then with Ed Sheeran, actually, came through uh, one of the co-founders of Nando's who has become one of our biggest supporters in South oh, Africa. Oh, I know, I saw that on, on yeah. the other day, yeah. So Nando's is a South African company, which a lot of people don't know. I did not know. I thought it was from England, actually. Yeah, it's massive in, in the yeah. UK, obviously. Um, <laughs> they have over 1,000 restaurants in 28 countries now, so they've grown really. I mean, it's one of the most you know successful brands in South yeah. Africa. And the co-founder is you know an amazing human being, um, has been super supportive, you know him and, and the company itself. And they're really into music and art, and 
Apparently, uh, Ed Sheeran happened to play when he was not so famous in one of the Nando stores in the UK. <laughs> so they became friends, and you know, then they maintained a personal relationship. And then when we when we saw that he was touring in South Africa, uh, he reached out to to Ed Sheeran. Uh, Robbie is the name of of Nando's co-founder. And he said, "Hey, you know, we are involved in this project in Langa. You know, would you would you be keen on 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 coming coming by and you know sharing your journey with the kids?" And he was like, "Yeah, sure, let's do it." Oh, it was pretty. How nice. It was pretty simple, actually. Yeah. It was actually way easier than working with a lot of DJs. I have to say. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, way easier. And the manager is amazing. You know, the whole team. They're so I bet the kids easygoing. Loved it. Yeah, and also because he's very appealing to both the white and the, and the black markets in yeah. South Africa. You know, his music has really crossed over in a way that no one else has done, probably. I mean, maybe Black Coffee as well. But, um, yeah, I mean, you can imagine, you know, from a media point of view and from, you know, I mean, we had to keep it super off the radar, you know, and just, oh like, really? literally word to mouth, private link online to RSVP and, like, yeah, yeah very small and intimate yeah. because otherwise it can get out of control and all of a sudden you have 500 people <laughs> outside. 50,000 people that go to the yeah, concert. Imagine, <laughs> yeah. And all the groupies wanting a picture and, you know, and you <laughs> when we do these workshops, we really want the right people there, you know, like yeah. music industry people or upcoming artists that can really be inspired and get something out of it. Yeah. So I know you've done a lot of, um, uh, well, there's been loads of different projects to raise mm. money for Bridges for Music, but what have been some of the main main ones that you've done? I mean, by far, the Cycle 280 that Resident Advisor did. I mean, <gasps> that raised 102,000 pounds, wow. which was amazing. And that was the, you know, the capital that we used to build a school in South Africa. And, you know, I mean, they were amazing. You know, they really, they really t took this project as their own, you know, kind of charity drive for the company. And, you know, they had a lot of people in the team doing the cycle themselves, you know, and going on trainings. And Where did the cycle leave from? London to, um, to, AD, to Amsterdam. How long did it take? Four days. Wow. Yeah, I bet yeah. that was fun, though. That was super fun, yeah. yeah. And the weather was gentle, which, you know, makes a difference. And, yeah. you know, just the, 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 the vibe in the group, you know, was insane. You know, we had 30 people. RA covered, you know, most of the costs, well, all the costs. So absolutely every single donation went to the pro to the project, and you know we had some good friends like you know Uner and Chris Liebing and Midland and all this guy involved, yeah. and yeah, it was it was super fun. It was super fun, also because you see all the people training, you know, leading up to the event. You know, people start training maybe two months before, three months before, and yeah. you know the momentum keeps growing and excitement, and you know, then obviously all the challenges you face, you know. Uh, along the way and you know obviously seeing the fundraising success was you know incredible did you all ride together or did so, did you kind of do it in groups no we did three groups oh, you know, okay. obviously not everyone's fitness was the same yeah so you don't want to you know bore bore the super fit and you know like push too much the the non-so-fit <sighs> so we did three different groups with three different um tour guides and, and yeah it was great i think everyone had a little fun everyone arrived in one piece which is everyone most important. made it good yeah everyone made <laughs> it um and then last year we did the cycle 280 from berlin uh oh. which was really cool and next year we're gonna do it probably from paris we are still deciding but if there's anyone out there that wants to sign up can uh, anybody sign up yeah, yeah for sure oh yeah, that's yeah. so cool yeah, maybe you should do it oh i'm not very good on a bike but i've got time to train i uh, guess is this this october yeah Trust me, there's a lot of people that are not good on bikes <laughs> and have done it. They were way oh, un unfitter than you. That really? Can tell you that. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I'll give it a go. I'll have a think. Yeah. <laughs> what other projects have you done? Other projects, I mean, we have, you know, some fundraising gala dinners that we do with festivals. Um, you know, we try, for example, to, to piggyback on, on festivals like Ultra in South Africa and we organize like a gala dinner on the back oh. of the festival with all the headliners. 
that's been our biggest fundraising event in South Africa. We do also charity auction with IMS here in, in Ibiza every year for the, la- the past four years. And, you know, and then different smaller fundraisers, you know, really anyone can really join and support the project by, you know, throwing yeah. a party and raising some money, you know, like everything, everything counts. Um, we have a very, very important partnership now with Pioneer DJ, mm-hmm. who has been very, very supportive in the last four or five years, you know, supporting where they could with gear and, you know, supporting some of our events, sponsoring some of the events. Um, but very recently, actually, like literally two weeks ago, uh, we uh, landed a, a global partnership with them where they're going to be sponsoring the, the main recording studio at the school and they're going to be su- sponsoring uh, some of the students going through through the program and they're going to be sponsoring the Cycle to ADE as well. So they're really getting behind the project and obviously that's a game changer for, for Bridges for Music and for the school in South Africa. And the aim is to make the school in in South Africa uh, the main hub for Pioneer DJ. Um, so the you know we are gonna have the latest equipment there. We're gonna be running tutorials for local artists and workshops and creating some some content. So yeah, it's gonna be very exciting. That actually was my next question to talk a little bit about the school. Um, because mm-hmm. when did it open? It wasn't that long ago, was it? We we just opened. Um, we are launching the first program, which is gonna be basically we have two two programs. One if one is a after school program, uh, with courses on yoga, DJing, music production, and photography. And those courses are gonna be running in the afternoons for kids that are still going through high school, age twelve to eighteen. And then we have a main program that is a six-month course on music and entrepreneurship. Uh-huh. So basically, 50% of the time, they're studying life skills or entrepreneurial skills. And 50% of the time, they're studying music production and sound engineering and yeah. so on. So that is going to probably launch uh, February 2020. Okay. And there will be some slots available for anyone around the world that wants to join. So it doesn't have to be just people from no. Langa. No, South because Africa. you know we believe that the quality of the education we're offering is really appealing to anyone. You know, the thing is that uh, we believe the future of education is peer-to-peer, you know, and we want to create a classroom where people from the communities in South Africa share the learning experience and the journey with international people that are coming together through music. So the teachers are from yeah. South Africa, from Langa? Well, yes and no. I mean, we will have also a lot of, you know, friends from the organization. A lot ah. of industry leaders are, you know, are coming and teaching certain subjects. I mean, you you might come and teach, yeah. you know, how to build a podcast or how to I'd interview to. or, you know, journalism yeah. or whatever it is, right? Yeah. So we, we believe that the future of education, apart from being peer-to-peer, is industry-led. So it means like, you know, a lot of people say how schools should be industry-led. You know, like run by people that can tell from their own experience, yeah. that can inspire their kids, that can really resonate um, with with their students. And you know, instead of going to university, and, you know, listening to a guy that's talking about business has never been in a company before, right? Yeah. Which which is the the case in, in in many universities. So I think one of the powerful things of this school is that there's so many you know industry people involved. You know, from the people working at RA, Pioneer DJ, festivals, you know, you name it, that. It's all about us sharing the knowledge, and that is the platform that we have created there. So when we say that we aim at having you know international students coming, the goal of that is that they pay normal fees to subsidize mm-hmm. a local student. So yeah. you know that by paying your fee, you know you're subsidizing a local student, and with that we will cover the running cost of the school. So and also you know we believe that there's no other school around the world that really offers this level of you know, um, workshops and talent, you know, like yeah. where in the world you're going to have a workshop with Ed Sheeran. And then a month ago we had Bonobo 
and then you know all the other artists that have been through and it doesn't y- happen yeah exactly so and uh, you know on top of that you know you might have one with the you know beatport ceo or with you know pioneer DJ's marketing manager or whatever it is that is a quality of education that you won't find anywhere else and that's why we think it's going to be you know very exciting for any anyone around the world to come and join the the course yeah what's the dance music scene like in in langa it's uh mainly house music i yeah. mean house music is massive um there's a very um uh, known artist that i'm very very happy to count as one of our main you know team members from day one called foster and he's uh, the current operations manager at the school and yeah there's this amazing talent there you know the problem is they don't really have the platforms and the outlets to develop the talent mm. you know like access to internet is scarce access to recording studio is pretty much non-existing um you know there's a lot of other problems happening in the streets uh, you know that can you know attract the youth like gangs and you know all that sort of thing yeah. um hip-hop is pretty big as well um you know there's a lot of south african hip-hop artists that are also like rock stars absolutely you know massive um so yeah i would say hip-hop and house music are the main genres there and obviously jazz music for the older people although it's you know kind of losing a little bit there you know yeah the following because obviously generations pass and you know jazz music i think is one of the things that we want to do there as well you know like bring together then the new age genres yeah with with the old traditional uh genres like jazz music which you know has, has always been really big in south africa in general and in, in, the, in the townships you do spend a lot of time over there then yeah it's been pretty much every day apart from when I'm over here for any fundraising yeah. campaign or anything. I'm mean, based in Cape Town. You're based over that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So obviously the objective of, of Bridges for Music is to create a positive impact in disadvantaged communities and to raise global awareness mm-hmm. about local issues. Do you think that people are a lot more aware now and as time goes on, it is getting better? I think there is a paradigm shift in human consciousness. Yeah. And there is definitely, you know... Um, I hope I hope that is a, a movement of awakening happening, and there's a lot of people, you know, especially DJs that are getting a little bit older, that are really realizing, you know, that there's more, you know, beyond the party, and that, you know, they have a responsibility and an opportunity as artists to to really make something for the world, you know, whether it's supporting a project like ours in education, or whether it's you know fighting climate change, or whether it's you know whatever you feel passionate about, you know, but. I do think there is a slight change, and I and I hope that's only going to grow. Um, we have seen conferences like IMS, for example, putting a strong focus on mental health. Yeah. And you know that you know it's it's been a big conversation uh, this year, and there's a reason for that. You know, I think we are realizing that the industry, as a lot of people understood it, is not sustainable, um, shallow at times, and that we really need to focus on the right things and the right values. Um, to make it, you know, long-term sustainable, really. No, I agree. I think in the last couple of years, there's definitely been a change, especially when it's stuff about the environment and all of these um, projects now about plastic and, and and as you just said, mental Mm. health as well. There's definitely a change. Mm. And it's getting better and better as time goes on. Yeah, I think, you know, still we're doing very little. Yeah, there's still a lot to do. There's still a lot to do. There's always things to do. Yeah, And, you know, you see other artists like you know blondish you know doing the campaign for cleaning the beaches and plastic but it's just like drops in the ocean you know like i i feel like you know like for example you look at companies in the states they there's there's this kind of rule or not rule but you know unofficial rule that they spend four percent of their 
you know, profit into social responsibility, yeah. into social campaigns. I mean, if every single DJ would do that, for example, it yeah, would be a different so story, true. right? Yeah. And yeah, I don't, I don't know. I think you know, it's proven, it's proven difficult in a way for artists to get involved in social campaigns. There are other artists that are, you know, very, very committed and you know, very supportive. But there's still a lot of work to do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And what are the next projects for Bridges for Music? What's coming up this year? Our main focus is right now uh, launching the school in South Africa. Um, that's you know takes a lot of our bandwidth. And the Cycle to ADE in October, a uh, big event. Uh, we're planning some events in the States as well. And just like focusing on growing the community, growing the movement, and trying to raise more money because we need it. So... If you're listening and you want to <laughs> support, yeah. you can go on our website. You can go on our Just Giving page, justgiving.com slash Bridges for Music. And you can get training for the, for the bike ride. Exactly. <laughs> you can sign up for, you can either donate, sign up for our fundraisers, throw yeah. parties, contact us and just support in whatever way you, you want. Perfect. Valentina, thank you so much. And well, you know how much I've always loved Bridges for Music and supported. So thank you for everything that you do. Thank you. And Join the cycle. Yes. <laughs> I better start training. Yeah, you're fit. Yeah. I'll get there. I'll get there. Thank you. Thank you. Bye.